hey, how's it going? I'm here. You know, that's half the battle most days. You know, Lifetime kicked off their uh, summer of crazy. Hot crazy girl summer. Uh Uh-huh. Was it everything you ever hoped for and more? Well, we'll get to it. Oh, great. This movie is incredibly, incredibly dark. Okay. And twisted. And that's how I know that this particular story is not true. Okay. So I wish they would have gone out with like a truer, true story. Okay. I can't buy that. So... You know, but I'm not, you know what? I'm not mad about it. I mean, this movie is extremely dark, but it was pretty good. It had a okay. lot of action. That's the one thing about the movies that aren't really based on true stories is that they are freaking bonkers wild and right. it, absolutely insane. And I enjoy those movies because I like to go on the ride. Right. So, you know, it's a trade off. Hi. <laughs> so, four seconds of dead air as we recenter well good I'm glad you enjoyed it sounds like you enjoyed the watching experience at least yeah how is how are you now that you don't have a job anymore I'm good and I hate you it's fine it is weird I I mentioned on our patreon Mm -hmm. Um, it is weird just that like I am used to summer being usually just a month of like unstructure for me and then usually July 1st, I get back in the mode of like planning for school and yeah. working. Like usually I start going back up to school and write lesson plans and all that. And this year I'm not. And so July is when that's really going to set in for me weird. But yeah. I did, as I mentioned, start looking for an office, like a private office to move my writing and blogging and recording into mm-hmm. Um, and that is weird. Like having to talk to listing agents about, uh, and then they're like, what kind of work are you going to do out of here? And I'm like, listen, I'm going to sit around on a keyboard and listen to music for a long time. Probably. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. I have ADHD, so I can't really say for sure. Right. I could be the most productive or least productive person. And also I could have both of those settings in the same day. It depends on what day you catch me. Yeah, for sure. Right. You know, it's so crazy, too. Can you fucking believe that it's June? No. What happened? No. After last year that dragged on forever ever? and ever, yeah. we're now six months into It was like March for like 27 months last year. And now yeah. it's, the, it's June. And I'm like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> um, and also, I think it's weird for us because the weather has been so weird down here in the South it and specifically really in Texas and Louisiana that it's not like summer hot yet, which thank God. But like we went to the zoo yesterday and it was 68 when we got there. And I was like, this is, I'm not going to mention weird. how nice this is to anybody before it, it like, I'm not looking this gift horse in the mouth, but if I say something, <laughs> they can hear us. Right, exactly. The uh, the government who controls, you know, because they control the weather. Do you um, want to hear some good news, though? I would love to. In 70 days, we will be 
at the Jersey Shore together. Yes, we will. I'm so excited. I gotta get hot before then. I gotta start into the gym. I've gotta go back to the gym. I've been so lazy. I've been so lazy. It's unreal. So my gym shut down during COVID and I was hanging on to see if it would open back up. And then they announced not too long ago that they didn't survive and that it's going to have to shut down. Um, And so I've been waiting for the end of the school year to get a new gym so I can get a new routine this summer. And when my alarm went off this morning, I was like, why did I, why did I think I was going to wake up at 630 the first day of summer and walk my dog? You know, I totally told myself last week, I was like, you know what? I took like two weeks off from working out. I am going to get up like June 1st. Every day in June, I'm going to work out. Did I get up this morning? Fuck no. But maybe tomorrow. Like I, tomorrow I can go back to like where I go to the gym during lunchtime. And that's like my sweet spot where I go during lunchtime, come back and work for the rest of the day. That's my sweet spot. So I'm going to try to get back into that. Um, But man, it's been tough to get motivated and the hotter it gets, the less motivated I'm going to be. And it's about to get fucking hot. So, uh, huh. Um, which by the way, this is lifetime sentence where we are the ultimate role models. I'm Paul. Mm-hmm. I'm Aaron. And, um, we welcome you for hanging out with us. If this is your first time to hang out with us, probably go to another for hanging out with Uh us. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, if this is your first episode, please go back a couple where I have interacted with adults leading up to the recording of, um, Paul has only interacted with a three-year-old. Yes. Um, his wife came home about three minutes before we started recording this. So he has had no adult interaction all day long. Yeah. And it shows like I am <laughs> slow. I am not warmed up. I didn't, I, I didn't think I had to be warmed up for this, but I realized but it's because I taught all day long leading up to this. And I forget that summer has been rough for me the past couple of summers. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, if you're new, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. There's like a shit ton of extra episodes. It's like if you can't get enough, like there's probably at least 100 now. Oh, uh, yeah. I have no idea, but that sounds accurate. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you can go, you, $1 gets you audio content, $5 gets you all the content, um, including our Instagram best friends and our private Discord channel. Um, all of that fun stuff. So definitely go check that out. Um, yes. Hopefully this summer do. we're going to get better at doing this thing called marketing ourselves. Yes. We're going to work that on that. That is one of, the reasons, <laughs> one of the reasons I'm getting that office space. And like I told you, um, so they, they were really reticent to like entertain just like some guy who wants to write blogs renting an office space, which to me, I'm like, mm-hmm. money is money. Why would you question it? But then I was like, oh no, you don't understand. Like, I'm one of the co-owners of Lifetime Sentence LLC. And like, I can provide the documentation for that. And they're like, oh, well, are you running it as a business? Of course, that's why I emailed you from my personal address. But here's my business address. If you address. this as the LLC, can I also write off the <laughs> office space on my taxes? Because that would be nice. Even though I'm not going to pay right. for it. <laughs> God, I have to file my taxes. Okay, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> we really hear? are not warmed up today. Let's no, hear about this case about this before we super devolve. dark, dark ass movie. I would love to. Do I know any of the actors? No. 
great. But this is a true ensemble cast. So there's a lot of actors that I'm going to throw at you and a lot of characters. So this movie this week was called A Party Gone Wrong. As I said, it kicks off Lifetime's crazy hot girl summer. And it's a Mara Vista acquisition. And it was originally called Trapped Daughter. So if you look it up on IMDb, even though you can look it up under A Party Gone Wrong, it will show up like the cover page will show Trapped Daughter. Oh, weird. Okay. I always find fun. Um, It stars Shelley Sterling. She plays April. She's been in Snowfall, Meteor Moon, and Triassic World. Nayara Teshali. She plays Natalie. She is from Let's Just Be Friends and Those People. Kate Edmonds plays Brittany. She's from Root Letter, Secrets on Sorority Row, which I believe is also a Lifetime flick. And she was in an episode of Joe Kinda. Oh, really? Yeah. I probably saw that because I don't don't know that there's an episode that I didn't watch. (laughs) Lauren Faulkner plays Taylor. She's from Caroline, feeder, attendance is required. Nicole Danielle Watts. She has a name, but I just call her mom throughout this whole thing. She is April's mom. Um, She was in a movie called My Little Girl, Belief and the Cleaning Lady. Um, Conlon, I'm going to butcher this, Kisselwitz. Kisselwitz? You're welcome. He plays Sam. He's from Notorious Nick and Zane. Emerson Nymchik. He plays Mike. He's from Anniversary. Derek Deloy, the pool boy, and Shameless. I have seen like three episodes of Shameless. And finally, Carol Ann DeMarco. Uh, she has a name. I call her Aunt Lydia because that she looks like Aunt Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. And acts like her too. Um, she's Ooh, from a, a couple episodes of SVU, The Loudest Voice, and the movie called A Haunting. Okay. So we start with a girl army crawling across a dirty floor in a warehouse, but she's grabbed by her ankles and dragged back to, I don't know, hell. And this is like a Criminal Minds episode and not in a good way. Uh, I want to know how that could have possibly been in a good way. <laughs> well, Matthew Gray Gobler is not here. So, and neither oh, is okay. um, Shamar oh, Moore. Shamar Moore or who's the love of my life, Thomas Gibson. Um, none oh, of them did you know he's a real asshole? He lives in San Antonio and don't ruin my, please don't ruin my life. Okay, sorry. I've heard stories, but I don't believe them. I choose to believe that he's a nice man. Okay. Um, the guy in the hat throws her in a room and locks the door. Excellent. Um, above her, the p- camera pans out and they're in some kind of industrial complex. We get the title card and immediately switch to a close-up of someone dancing in ballet shoes. Great. The teacher tells the girls that the performance um, is next week. And so they need to be, quote, big, big, big. And they need to focus because, quote, exhaustion creates genius. Oh, everyone knows that. Everyone's heard that. It's hanging on the wall behind me right now. I don't know why you haven't noticed it before. No, it's not. So some girls are tanning on the lawn with their while their friend fixes their car for them. The girls are Taylor, April, and Brittany. They argue whether to go to a party. April, who's fixing the car, doesn't want to go because some dude named Sam will be there. That's her ex-boyfriend. Brittany says that it's the last time that Taylor and April can hang out before they go to college. 
And then she's like, oh, by the way, I decided not to go to college. I'm going to take a gap year instead. Um, so under the car, Taylor finds a group photo of the three of them with a girl named Natalie that they used to be friends with, who April's boyfriend, Sam, cheated on her with. April tears Natalie out of the picture and says, if Natalie's going to be at the party, she's not going. But just then, April's mom, the dance teacher, shows up and tells her she better go to the party and not let some silly man dictate whether she goes to parties or not. Okay. April tells her mom she'll go to the party if her mom asks Kent out on a date. So the mom agrees and the girls get ready for the party, which is being held in a mansion slash hotel that has a pool, a live band, and a lot of people. Um, as April walks in, she drops her earring and who picks it up but Sam. April figures out from all their conversation that her friends have been hanging out with her ex-boyfriend behind her back. So she oh, gets mad. So you have zero friends is what you've so just found she out. she gets mad and storms off to the bathroom. Of course, who comes out of the bathroom stall? Natalie. I was like, I couldn't remember her name. So I was like, Martha. <laughs> April's not having a good night at all. And it's just going to get worse. So um, Natalie asks if they can talk and tells her that she and Sam were never together and asks if they can start over. But April says no. They both cry and friendship breakups are the worst. So much worse than any romantic breakup. Sorry. Not sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Brittany's at the bar and April comes by and says she's going to go home. But Brittany convinces her to stay. April says she's not going to drink. But then she spots Taylor hanging on to Sam and knocks back a shot. Like you do. Her mom, meanwhile, is at ballet practice and sees Kent who is less hot than I anticipated. Oh, no. I mean, he's not ugly. He's just not... He's not lifetime... I, I don't know. Right, I know what you're saying. Should be. Um, they chat, and true to her word, Mom asks him out. Well, she almost asks him out. <laughs> Back at the party, April is now very drunk. Brittany tells her to stay put, and she'll get her some water, but Natalie starts to walk up to her, and so April takes off. Now she's stumbling down a walkway and I'm like, where is this party? Where, like, what is happening? Um, Brittany finds her and gives her a bottle of water, but April takes a sip and tells her like, this tastes disgusting and like throws it at her. That's foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, April okay. says she wants to go home and she's going to call for a ride. Brittany says, she's like, okay, like let's go get some fresh air while we wait for your ride. The ride comes and calls out for April and April stumbles as she, as he goes to, and oh wait, I'm sorry. The ride comes and calls out for April. They walk towards the car and April stumbles as she goes to get in the car and the guy goes to grab her, but Brittany's like, I have her. And so she like puts Brittany in the car or she puts April in the car and closes the door and tells her to go sleep it off and the car drives away. Okay. Brittany seems a little apprehensive about letting her go alone, but this does not stop her. And that will come back too. Natalie comes up and asks after April and Brittany's like, Hey, let's go drink. So they go back to the party. Great. In the back of the car, April is asking to go back because she left her phone and everything at the party. But the guy driving says, no, it's against company policy. She asks where they are going. And he tells her to just relax. Oh, nope. Rest April in peace. passes out. 
The car pulls up under a canopy and the dude in the hat from earlier opens the door and tells April to get out. And I just wrote, Jesus, this is every fucking nightmare that I ever have in my head when I order an Uber. April asks the guy who he is and he tells her the van broke down and says she'll need to get out so they can fix it. So she's like, okay, I'm going to get out. And then she's like, hey, I'm having trouble with my seatbelt. So the guy leans into the car um, to help her, but she kicks him in the chest and runs away. And I'm like, good girl. There we go. Um, So hat guy and the driver get into a fight with each other instead of like chasing her, which is fine. Um, And then they go searching for April, who is pressed against the wall. She keeps running, but she's super lost and extremely intoxicated. And they catch her. Hat guy picks her up at screaming and carries her inside. He drags her down the hallway and throws her into a room. Back at rehearsal, mom is texting April because she hasn't texted that she's home yet. Um, But she talks herself out of like pressing send. She's like, no, I'm not going to check up on her. She's like a grown up. It's going to be fine. Kent comes back. All these near misses. I hate that so much. Kent comes back around and asks her out to dinner the next night. He tells her they'll go have Italian food and go salsa dancing, which actually sounds kind of fun. So maybe I was wrong about Kent. (laughs) So mom texts April that Kent said yes to their date instead of texting her like, hey, where are you? Did you get home? Okay. She's like, oh, he said yes. Right. Um, And I just wrote poor mom Um, over in the dungeon place. April's in some kind of warehouse room. She starts going through all this stuff on the shelves and screaming for help. She spills like some cleaner chemical on herself. And then um, back at the party, Taylor goes searching for April saying that her ride is there. So now like the ride that was supposed to pick April up is there. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Sam meets her in the bathroom asking if she found April and, um, Sam is the worst. And Taylor's like, no. Um, did you talk to Brittany? And Sam's like, no, Brittany's also gone. So back in the warehouse place, April is crouched in a corner holding a pot. Uh, when the hat guy throws in Natalie. And I just wrote, the fuck? Yeah, that's actually an unexpected twist. Okay. Yeah. Natalie is sobbing and freaking out. And April's like, can you calm the fuck down and shut up? And Natalie's like, hey, stop bossing me around. So they start fighting. Like you do. This is me and you. (laughs) If we get kidnapped, you're the one telling me to stop crying. And I'm the one that's like, don't fucking tell me what to do. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Back at the party, Taylor is walking down the street, super pissed that April and Brittany left her while Sam tries to convince her to go back inside the party. Taylor finds one of the earrings she lent to April and puts two and two together that April must have seen her and Sam dancing together. And then she goes off to try to find them. Sam's like, hey, wait for me. And Taylor's like, hey, can you just like not? But he's like, hey, I want to find them too. And she's like, cool, like, come on. So they go. Uh, Back in the warehouse, Natalie's arm is really hurt. So April tears up her sweater to cover the wound and like tie it off. Um, April assures Natalie that they're not going to die. Um, Natalie says she was picked up by the same van and Brittany also helped her get inside. And April's like, that's awesome. Brittany can tell the police that the va- what the van we got into looked like. But Natalie blurts out that Brittany is dead. Oh. So we flash back and Brittany walks her up to the van and both guys are in the van this time. Um, Natalie says she has a weird feeling, but Brittany says this is definitely her ride, which is suspicious as fuck. 
Natalie tries to get away, but the guys force her into the car and one of them knocks Brittany in the head. So Natalie's in the van and Brittany's passed out on the ground, but she's definitely breathing. Natalie thinks they killed her. And I think she's part of this. Uh, Yeah, that's what I... One of us is right. (laughs) Great. Um, Natalie suggests that maybe, or no, April suggests that maybe, oh no, sorry. Natalie suggests that maybe Brittany is in on this and April's like, that's impossible. She's our best friend. She would never do that to us. Like, Right, um, Natalie's covering tracks. So Natalie loses her shit again. Um, And she's not a pretty crier, poor girl. Um, So mom gets home from practice and finds Taylor and Sam in her driveway. They explain that they can't find April and she never got to her ride. The warehouse the girls are in is now 40 degrees, which isn't a nightmare I knew I had until February. Right. And now it's very real to me. Um, Sam uses mom's phone to try to track April's phone and it shows her location to be Layman Family Farms. The mom is like, why would they be out there? And both Taylor and Sam are like, we don't know. So they're all like, okay, let's go. So they get in the car and they go. Over at the warehouse, Natalie is having muscle spasms. And I'm like, girl, you're too young for that. But also, you know, trauma. So. Right. April rubs her back and they talk about how it's like when they used to have sleepovers and give each other massages and do face masks. And Natalie talks about how cool April's mom is. Natalie says she and Sam never slept together. They were just in the hot tub together, not doing anything. And April says that, you know, you'd be insecure too if your best friend looked like you. So they cry and make up and decide that Sam sucks, which he does. Um, yeah. But also, like, Sam's got bad things coming to him. So, um, oh, no. Mom, Taylor, and Sam are driving trying to find April's cell phone, which they find near Brittany's abandoned car. No. Mm-mm. Sam is like, see, everyone's just trying to have fun in a field in the middle of the night alone. No. Yeah, not buying it. <laughs> Uh, the tracker is coming from in the field. So mom and Taylor go in, but Sam hesitates because Sam is still the worst. Mom tells him he's not so helping. Sam's not in on it. Sam's just the worst. Sam's not in on it. Sam is the worst, but also Sam gets a raw deal later. We'll see. Okay. Um, mom tells him he's not helping and sends him back to the car to wait. The warehouse is getting colder and Natalie and April hear a noise. They huddle together in the back of the room um, meanwhile, Taylor and mom find a house and mom sends Taylor to go look and call her if she sees something, which doesn't seem like the best time to split up. But what do I know? Listen, everything they learned, everything they know about investigation, they learn from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> the house is empty, thankfully. Back in the warehouse, hat guy is back and he's followed by a nice looking lady who says they're in her hands now. No, That's not you. ominous. Mom finds April's phone and Brittany's purse in an abandoned boat. And Taylor says maybe they should call the police. Thanks, like, just Taylor. now? Just now? Right. Just now. Um, but mom is like, no, because if we call the police, that means something is wrong. And I was like, something is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so... Okay, this bitch in the warehouse looks like Aunt Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale, and I'm not into it. She says the freezer shouldn't be on and asks Hat Guy to turn it off, but he's like, I'm not a handyman. So she's like, okay, we'll have to do this quickly. 
She tells April to lift up her top and quote, it's almost over. No. Oh, no. Like, I know what the plot is, but goddamn. <laughs> right. Aunt Lydia pulls up April's, pulls April's leggings down and sees she has a scar on her stomach and starts to freak out. Hat guy says, quote, I didn't pick her. Uh, I'm sorry. And Aunt Lydia asks if April had her appendix out. April says yes. And she's like, is that your only surgery that you've ever had? And she's like, yes. Why? Um, meanwhile, mom and Taylor are still looking for the girls. Mom is crying and Taylor is like, we still need to call the police. And so she finally agrees. Um, Taylor hugs her and takes her back to the car to find Sam and call the police. Aunt Lydia checks out Natalie, who is saying they hit her. Hat guy is like, I didn't hit her. That was Mike, the driver. He hit her. Hat guy needs some chill. Yeah. Hat guy has no chill. Um, Aunt Lydia bends behind Natalie to check where she was hit, and Natalie bites the shit out of her. Yes. Chaos ensues, and April makes a run for it. She's crawling up the stairs with Hat Guy behind her. She makes it down the hallway and ducks behind a corner away from Hat Guy, who walks past her, and then she makes a run for it. So she keeps running and finds herself in some kind of office with blood everywhere and coolers everywhere and an operating table. Yay! Not a fan. April or Hat Guy comes in after her and picks up a scalpel. So April hides under a bloody sheet. Oh, oh. When she thinks the coast is clear, she gets up and runs directly oh, into the I don't like that she said she thinks. Stupid Sam is walking around the cornfield saying, Come out, come out wherever you are. And who happens upon him but Brittany? She asks Sam. She's not dead? No. I was expecting she was dead. Okay. She's not dead. I told her, I told you she was still breathing earlier. She oh, asks yeah, Sam what he's doing there. And he's like, uh, we're looking for you. And Brittany's like, hey, April's not with me. My car broke down. I'm waiting for my brother. You need to get out of here now. You need to go. You need to go. And Sam is like, no, I'm not leaving without April. Where is April? And she screams at him that he needs to go. And out of nowhere, here comes driver Mike out of the wood, out of the woods. He tackles Brittany and then starts beating Sam with a shovel. Oh, um, Sam's dead. Um, Brittany breaks down and is like, I did my part. I did my part. You promised that it would look like a boating accident. You promised they would be alive. You promised this and that. And Mike holds her and says he got, he's got her. And the next day they'll be on a plane to new places together. Blech. Mom and Taylor are hiding behind corn stalks right behind them. So they hear everything. Wait, so... Maybe I tracked this story wrong. Okay. Is Natalie in on it too? Or was Brittany the only one in on it? Brittany's the only one in on it. Natalie okay. and April have been kidnapped. I misheard the conversation earlier okay. and thought Natalie was the one trying to convince Brittany that that was definitely her ride. And so. No, it was Brittany trying to Brittany convince Natalie gotcha. that it was I her ride now. that kidnapped her. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, so mom and Taylor hear the whole exchange between Brittany and Mike. Because they're hiding in the cornfield. Um, Mike has Brittany help him carry. Because you can't tell secrets around corn. No. They have all those ears. Mike, Mike has Brittany. 
help him carry Sam's body into the back of a truck. Um, and they take off. Meanwhile, Hat Guy brings April back to the warehouse and Aunt Lydia asks why Mike isn't back yet. When Hat Guy doesn't have a good answer for this, she yells, do I have to do everything? And storms off. Hat Guy leans down to April and Natalie and tells them that whatever is about to happen to them is their own fault. And I disagree. I disagree. Um, He locks them back in the warehouse and puts the freezer back on. Brittany and Mike put Sam's body in the van. Mike asks if anyone else was with Sam and Brittany says no, even though she knows that someone else was with them. She just doesn't know who. So they drive off. Mom and Taylor run to their car and follow. So April and Natalie are basically freezing to death. April's hands are zip tied behind her, but she's a badass bitch. So she scoots herself over to a cabinet and saws them off with metal. So she helps Natalie over to the wall and grabs a cardboard box. Mom and Taylor follow the van and Taylor finally calls 911, but she doesn't have service. So she can't get through. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) AT&T. God damn it, (laughs) T-Mobile. Natalie and April covered themselves in plastic from the boxes to try and stay warm, but things are looking pretty grim. April tells Natalie. Which means we've still got 22 minutes left in this movie. April tells Natalie what she saw when she ran and Natalie asks if they're going to operate on them. And April assures them that no, they're not. Um, They're going to find out. Oh, they're going to, they're going to make a run for it when they open the door again, even though neither of them can stand up at this point because they're freezing to death. Right. Natalie says, quote, no one's going coming to save us. Are they, we aren't going to make it. Oh, they each tell each other that they're glad they're not dying alone. This movie's fucking dark. Oh, that's awful. At the warehouse, Brittany and Mike unload Sam's body while mom and Taylor watch. Mom says she's going in and Taylor's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you cannot leave me out here by myself. So mom tells Taylor to just keep trying the police. And if anything happens to run, she grabs a crowbar out of the back of her CRV and she goes in. Um, Natalie has passed out and April is talking about being on a beach. April tries to wake Natalie up, but she can't. So she starts sobbing and begging her to wake up saying that, she can date Sam if she wants to, if she'll just wake up. Oh, honey, nobody wants to date him. Yeah, also he's dead. Even before he died. <laughs> so Brittany, Mike, and Hat Guy bring Sam's body in for Aunt Lydia to look at. She's not impressed with this development and asks where exactly he came from. <laughs> Mike, who is apparently Brittany's brother, tries to explain where Sam came from, but... um. Brittany like interjects and then Mike. Oh, he's really her brother? Because I just assumed that they were dating. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. We'll get there. We won't get there, but we will. Um, Oh, no. So Brittany interjects and tries to explain that Sam is her friend, but Mike is like, get out of here, get into the hallway. So Aunt Lydia tells Mike that Brittany seems a bit unstable, and I think that's rich coming from her. (laughs) God. Aunt Lydia asks him how much work he thinks she's put into this. And Mike says they picked Britney's friends because they're all losers and no one will miss them. And Aunt Lydia is like, I am not going back to prison again. She says, I, I feel that she says that Britney better not grow a conscience. And Mike assures her that he can handle her. Um, 
then Aunt Lydia is like, hey, maybe we can get some money for Sam's corneas. But since you beat the shit out of him, we, the rest of him is just junk. So let's go get the real money, which is the live girls in the freezer. Um, so Brittany is roaming the halls of the warehouse. Mike comes up behind her and grabs her and she begs him not to hurt her. And then they start making out. So I guess they're not brother and sister. This question is never answered. I don't know. Uh, listen. I mean, this, this is point, lifetime. So at this point, like there, anything is possible. Was that cruel intentions has nothing on this. Yeah. <laughs> so they make out and then Mike sends her to get something fresh air. She goes outside and runs directly into mom and her crowbar. Nice. I hope she <laughs> ran into the crowbar just like. Mom, she ran in my crowbar nine times. No, mom covers Brittany's mouth and tells her not to scream. Um, so Mike and Hat Guy go into the cooler to find Natalie and April frozen. If you know anything about organ donation, you know that this is very, very bad for them. Yeah. Um, Brittany is begging mom to leave her alone and not go in there. Brittany's like, I didn't want this, I didn't want to do this. And mom assures her that we all make bad decisions and it's not too late and that mom needs to help her find April. But Brittany Mom's refuses like, bitch, so. I didn't want to do this either, but here we are. Right. So mom leaves and she's like, okay, cool. I'm going inside. But Brittany's like, wait, stop. I know where she is. So she tags along to help in the operating room. Aunt Lydia is checking over the girls, not because she's like nice or anything to make sure they're still alive. They all start arguing and Aunt Lydia screams that she is not leaving there that night without something to show for it. So, great. So the hat guy is suddenly on an operating table. (laughs) That would be the best ending to the story. (laughs) Natalie wakes up and starts shaking April awake, but she won't wake up. Aunt Lydia goes into the operating room and gets a vial of something. Mike pushes a wheelbarrow by Brittany and mom and mom holds her hand over Brittany's mouth again so she can't scream. Aunt Lydia confirms their flight to Mexico and then hat guy wheels in April and Aunt Lydia says, let's begin. And I was like, you know what? Let's not. Let's just skip this part. All of a sudden it's a montage from Grey's Anatomy of them popping gloves on. and Yeah, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Brittany is standing in the doorway to the freezer and Mike comes up behind her again and starts to shut mom in the freezer where she's found like Natalie. So mom like goes into the freezer room and finds Natalie but April's not there because she's in the operating room. So then Brittany's like standing right outside the door. Here comes Mike. He tries to shut them all in. Um, but the crowbar slips out of mom's hand and lands at Brittany's feet. And in the first good decision she's made in this entire movie, she takes him out with a crowbar to the back of the head. Yes. They drag him into the freezer and Brittany follows them in. Natalie and mom go to run. To go find April and Brittany raises the crowbar over Mike and yells at them to close the door. Oh my God. (laughs) Leaving Mike with crazy Brittany in the freezer with a crowbar because at this point in the film, why not? Mom doesn't have the time to be in charge of everyone tonight. (laughs) Someone was going to go rogue. It's going to be Brittany. (laughs) Listen, this is a game of clue that I can get on board with. Taylor is finally on the phone with the police, crying to them to hurry the fuck up. (laughs) April is now awake, tied down to an operating table. Awake. Did I mention that she is awake? Uh, Yeah, you did. But I say it one more time for emphasis. She's awake. (laughs) Aunt Lydia pours iodine on her and tells Hat Guy to hold her down. 
But just as she's about to cut, here comes mom with her crowbar. A fight ensues. Mom has a crowbar. Aunt Lydia has a sword. What is this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So if you had given me like three chances to say, like to figure out what comes next, a sword would have never been any of my options. So, okay. At this point, they're fighting. Hackeye is like over here. I don't know what he's doing. April manages to get out of her restraints off the table and she holds a pair of scissors to Aunt Lydia's neck who starts screaming at April to kill her. But drugged up April says she wants her to pay for what she's done. And that's, of course, when the anesthesia begins to actually work and April passes out on the floor. <laughs> Lifetime, what are you doing to me? I don't know. Okay, mom goes to help April and Aunt Lydia tries to make a run for it again, but Natalie's there to greet her with a baseball bat. Aunt Lydia starts screaming that she told them to get girls that wouldn't matter and that no one would miss as if this whole scenario would be better if that were the case. (laughs) God damn it, head guy, this is your fault. We hear police sirens and then the police run in and pull Aunt Lydia away in handcuffs, who is still screaming about how nobody cares about girls like April. Yikes. The police find Brittany holding Mike's dead body, just repeating over and over again. He can't hurt me anymore. He can't hurt anyone oh, anymore. Sweetie. Oh my God. So that's fun. You know, <laughs> they arrest hat guy who seems to have lost an eye somewhere in the scuffle. Oh, well, <laughs> they does arrest- Lydia have it. Maybe she pulls it out of her pocket. That like Cornea, a great. Like- <laughs> They arrest Brittany, who I guess is going to be spending her gap year in prison. We fast forward to Natalie, Taylor, and April at the mental hospital to visit Brittany and make sure she's okay. She says she's okay, but she hates herself. They all assure her that they don't hate her, and she ultimately saved them. April says it will give them, it will take some time for them to all be friends again, but true friendship is worth fighting for. And these girls are all way nicer than me. Right? That ended like a My Little Pony episode. I was not prepared for it. They assure Brittany that they're all stronger than they think they are. We end with Natalie and April talking to a group of medical professionals saying that she and April never would have been at risk if it weren't for the surgeon hired to take their organs. So she asks them all to keep a close eye on their colleagues or any others that may be tempted to be involved in this type of crime. If there is no one who perform, who will perform the operations, they can derail the organ trafficking trade. April says that traffickers often target people like her and Natalie, women of color who think who no one thinks will be missed. She and Natalie were lucky because they had her mom and their friends to not let them be a statistic. Everyone claps and the four ladies walk off hand in hand. And I wonder if mom ever went out with poor Kent. Poor Kent. Quote, to report organ or human trafficking, contact the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-373-7888 or visit humantraffickinghotline.org. The I end. Al- I almost wish that final speech from April mm-hmm. um, had been like breaking the fourth wall, spoken directly into the camera, like 1990 sitcoms when they did a heavy episode. We have a lot of fun here on... Um, uh, a party Gone Wrong. Party Gone Wrong. But uh, it's all for a serious reason, and that reason is organ trafficking, which actually is a serious <laughs> issue, but it wow! Is. Oh my god. That's all I have for you. Sorry. The sword caught me by surprise. Like 
I don't know, lifetime edit of the week, lifetime prop of the week, whatever we want to give it, that sword deserves some kind of award today. Amen. That sword. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, are you ready for a fucked up story? I am. Okay. So on April 13th, 2011, April Caraway and Natalie Smith went missing from the Delta Chi formal. No, totally, totally You're not a real case. So full of shit. Uh, yeah. So um, instead of piecing together a story or finding a similar story, I wanted to today just present um, information and facts behind organ trafficking because yeah. it is a very serious. Um, and know, I feel like, is, like the- a lifetime takes a lot of liberties, especially in this movie in particular. However, while a lot of those movies about like murders, like the sister that poses as her twin and then marries her twin. <laughs> what the fuck? Right. This is a thing that really happens and who that I imagine is just as terrifying if you take out all the crazy circumstances that were in this movie. Yeah, 100%. And I know that people are talking about it, but it doesn't seem to be the conversation in the zeitgeist of even like a, a true crime, people who follow true crime as closely as you mm-hmm. and I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that abductions and that human trafficking are at the forefront. And, you know, like there are several things that we talk about often, but organ trafficking is a very big problem. I think the, the biggest thing is that it is not, and I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't like fall, like blow back on me. It is not as widespread in America as it is in many countries or at least mm-hmm. it's not as widely discussed in America. And I think that that is why it doesn't fall into the circles that you and I well, follow. Well, and what I closely. think is it's not as widespread going out in America. Right. It's just as widespread, if not more coming in. Because Absolutely. people in America have the money to pay for that kind of stuff. And, Absolutely. you know, we can get into the, the countries where, I mean, it's not technically stealing, but you can sell your organs on the black market in another country right. they'll take them out for you pay you for them right like, totally fucked up um and so um today i got a lot of my information from wikipedia also from an organization called hott which i wasn't able to find what? out what that yeah i wasn't able to find out what that stood for i know that it's human organ organ trafficking something but i don't know what that last t is um but they track organ trafficking statistics as well as um offer like they have the list of like international numbers to call based on your your location in the world rather than just the american numbers and um they're a european based organization um so they had a lot of good information so this was taken directly from their site um they say Trafficking in organs is also defined in the new draft Council of Europe Convention Against Trafficking in Human Organs. This convention was adopted beginning... Right? This adoption... This convention was adopted uh, beginning in 2014. According to this new convention, trafficking in human organs is, when committed intentionally, any of the following activities... The removal of human organs from living or deceased donors where the removal is performed with, without the free, informed, and specific consent of the living or deceased donor, or in the case of the deceased donor, without the removal being authorized under its domestic law. 
the use of these organs for purposes of implantation or other purposes than implantation. So that wording is going to laugh, but it's like implanting or not implanting. Well, what other options do we what are you gonna do? <laughs> Ugh. I, like, I don't, I I don't want to know what the options are. I don't want to know. The preparation, preservation, storage, transportation, transfer, receipt, import, and export of these organs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Aiding or abetting the commission of any of these criminal offenses or the intentional attempt to commit any of these criminal offenses. The solicitation and recruitment of an organ donor or recipient were carried out for financial gain or comparable advantage for the person soliciting or recruiting or for third party. The promising, offering, or giving by any person directly or indirectly of any undue advantage to healthcare professionals, its public officials, or persons who direct or work for private sector entities in any capacity with a view to having a removal or implementation, implantation of organs performed or facilitated where such removal or implantation is illicit as defined above. And finally, the request or receipt by healthcare professionals, public officials, or persons who direct or work for private sector entities in any capacity of any undue advantage with a view to performing or facilitating the performance of, of a removal or implantation of a human organ where such removal or implantation is illicit and defined above. And so I think one of the- that's the main thing we see here or right. we hear about is like you cannot like if you need a kidney and you have a zillion dollars, you can't be like, hey, if you go get tested and you match my kidney, I'll give you a billion of my zillion dollars. You can't right. you can't do that. That's illegal. So, but that's right. probably the thing we hear about the most when it comes to organ trafficking, at least in the United States. Right. And that's what I was about to say is the, the common thread is the um, undue advantage. Right. Um, that's why we have an organ donor list and you can, I mean, an, like a recipient list and you can move up based on need, but they really do try to vet that list. They do. Mm-hmm. In a, in a way that is not just beneficial to rich white people, but I'll keep my rant. I mean, the organ, <laughs> the organ donation list or the organ like recipient list. I mean, it is bonkers. It is crazy. They clock that shit down to like uh-huh. trillionth of a second. Like you can have somebody beat you out by like one trillionth of a second for an organ. Um, it's it's wild. So Sarah's dad is a nurse and for a while he worked for the Louisiana organ procurement and his job was to go pick up organs from like hospitals where the donor had been to deliver them to a recipient and like the crazy driving across state and time constraints and all that really is very interesting. The coolers, the igloo coolers, like all that, you know, and two, you know, it's, it's difficult because even I'm, I'm signed up to be an organ donor, right? But if I don't die under the perfect amount of circumstances, my organs are useless. Right. Um, I will like say if that I don't die while... where I can be kept in a coma until they can harvest my organs, that it like they can't use my organs for anything. Right. Because they'll die. You know, it's it's so finite and like what is usable and what's not. It's it's wild. Right. And I meant to do the research on this. Um, 
because I don't know what the numbers are today, but when I was in college, I know there was a big push to try to get uh, especially more people of color on the organ donation list Mm -hmm. because the donor list is mostly um, soccer moms and bobcats, really. Like it's, and so um, that matches very, a very small amount of the population of people on the recipient list. So I don't know a lot about organ donation, but what I do know is I follow a girl on Instagram that plugs this all the time. If you are interested in being a bone marrow donor, you can go to be the match.org and they'll uh-huh. send you a kit to swab yourself and send into the, the, the national registry. And if you're matched with someone, like they'll go in, harvest your bone marrow, like, it's all paid for or whatever. And then, you know, they go and like transplant into somebody else. It's a really good, easy, simple, free thing you can do to get on a list to be a, a bone marrow donor, which can save somebody's life. So go do that yes. if you want to. That's good stuff. Yes. Also, um, in that vein, look into blood drives in your areas. Blood banks yes. nationwide are low right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are lots of ways we can help that don't require us to be dead first because many organ donations, you know, the person has to be deceased. You can donate one kidney or your liver and not be dead. Right. Um, I need my whole liver, but my kidneys are up for grabs. Or just one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, email us at lifetimesinitspunk. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was really poor form considering I'm in the middle of telling you about organ trafficking. So, um, the organ trade is the process of buying and selling human organs to put simply as well as tissues and other bodily body products, products. Why did I type that? Ugh, I hate <laughs> that so much. That's not what I meant to type, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, it's usually done with the idea of, of transplanting. Um, according to the WHO, around 90% of all organ transplants happen outside of national medical systems 90 percent how is that even who are these people i don't know as of january 2020 there are over a hundred thousand individuals waiting for an organ transplant in the united states alone the median time the median wait time for a liver and heart transplant is about 148 days that's not as bad as I thought it would be. No, but that is the median. So yeah, that means that it goes almost twice as long for half the people. No, I get that. I'm just saying like, that's it's not as, that's not what I expected. That's less time than I expected the median time to be. Right. For real. Um, that math doesn't check out accurately, but I'm not changing it. So just know that I taught English and I also no longer teach. So we're going to. Just ignore my bad math. Paul just Um, makes it. (laughs) Despite the availability of organs for transplantation, the commercial trade in human organs is illegal in most countries. This is due to the scarcity of organs and the high demand for transplants. Wow. Which I don't, I hate that the, um, the laws come down to a supply and demand situation. I know. The whole world is capitalism. Like it sucks. Um, so there's a lot of known trafficking in Iran. Um, and so in 1988, Iran became the only country in the world that allows the purchase and sale of organs. Um, due to the lack of infrastructure to support the operation, the country allowed living non-related kidney donation beginning in 1988. 
<clears throat> Through the help of two nonprofit organizations, donors can be matched with recipients. Iran has very strict regulations on their commercial organ trade. Um, and so that part of that prevents foreigners from buying organs from Iran. So they have legalized it so that they can track it very heavily, um, <clears throat> which is an interesting way to handle it, I guess. I mean, um, I maintain that the way to control street drugs is to is legalize, to legalize them. them. Yeah. However, I'm not <clears throat> sure how that would translate to like organs. Right. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, I guess if we're going to have free trade, we should have all free trade. Oh, God. Yeah. Slippery, slippery slope conversation. Very slippery slope. Wow. Um, so proponents of the organ trade in Iran have held the country's system as an example of a safe and effective model. The system, which is referred to as LNRD, and I don't know what that stands for, allows people to trade their organs without fear of arrest. Despite the country's favorable social climate, it is still considered a taboo to donate organs, however. I have a question. Uh-huh. If they don't have the infrastructure to support, like, a registry-type donation situation... How do they track all this? It, no. Is, okay. it, <clears throat> is it truly safe? Right. For you to donate your organs? Like, what is the what is the fatality rate there? Right. Um, like, that would really <clears throat> worry me. So, um, critics of the Iranian system often argue that the country's organ donation system is coercive. Um, so, over 70%. It's poor people, obviously. Right. It's over seventy percent organs to rich people. Yeah. Yep. Over seventy percent of donors in Iran are poor, um, and there's no long-term follow-up for organ donors. So, um, for instance, my worship pastor at my church, um, it was actually really cool. There, I mean, not really cool, but this story was fascinating. A member in our church needed a, I think it was a kidney. Um, and like 50 people in our church went to go get tested to see if they matched mm -hmm. and our worship pastor did. And so he donated his kidney. Um, oh, that's so nice. and so, um, the man who needed it was a veteran. And so our worship pastor also gets VA benefits for the next 10 years oh, so that he can be followed cool. up by VA doctors and he gets like healthcare provided by the United States, like through the VA system. Right. Um, well, so that they can track the long-term effects. I don't know how it shakes out for like a liver donor. Cause I'm not sure how that I've never really looked into that, but I do know just from, just passing knowledge that kid like donating your kidney is extremely it's way harder on the donor than it is for the recipient so I'm, yeah. but I'm not sure how that works for the like a liver but I assume any kind of living donor is going to go through a lot yeah. in order to like adjust to life without that organ right. it's not like your appendix nobody needs your appendix right in fact do you want mine no, I already got rid of mine. I don't need any more weight. We'll see. I I just I'm trying to trying to drop a few pounds. So like, just... get that shit taken out. <laughs> like it hurts. <laughs> McBurney's point. It hurts. <laughs> um. So in Iran, the price of a kidney can vary wild widely, ranging anywhere from two thousand to four thousand dollars. That's it. 
Yeah, because on the black market, that same kidney is worth over one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Um, although like, most also, of the proof- I could get like well, not now, but ten years ago, I could get like thirty thousand dollars for my eggs. Right. I should have done um, that when I had the chance. So most of the proceeds, however, go to middlemen. So some donors wind up with less than a thousand dollars after it's all said and done. Yeah. Nope. And also. In Australia and Singapore, the governments have recently passed laws that allow people to be paid for donating their organs. Although these measures do not pay for the organs, they do provide compensation for the expenses associated with donating an organ. Well, but that's what happens here. Right. So although the sale of organs is prohibited in the U.S., state governments can still provide compensation to living donors for the expenses associated with donating. In 2004, Wisconsin became the first state to do this, so... I mean, Wisconsin, here, a broken clock is right twice a day, I guess. I mean, here, given the amount of health care you'd receive for free, it might be lucrative to donate your organs as a living yeah. person. Yeah. I hate to say that, but it's true. Although many countries ban the use of organs, most allow what's called paired donations. Um, ban the use of organs. I think I meant to put donation. I mean, the... Um, traffic of organs i don't know what i meant to put there now um but most allow paired donations or other procedures to be conducted um so those are how we do the match where you um so you know you submit a sample and then Mm -hmm. they check for compatibility um for example if you're planning to donate a kidney to a stranger you may agree to give it to them in exchange for theirs and i don't know why anyone would do that like hey bruh Listen, you can have my kidney if I can have half your liver. You like, done with can that? Can I have your disease kidney in a jar? <laughs> I kind of would want that. Am I weird? Probably. So instead of buying a kidney from a stranger with cash, people are opting to give it to themselves through a paired donation. In the United States, the procedure was only allowed after the laws. The, so laws have to be amended to allow that. Um, okay. So, um, because of the, and I don't know how else to put it, because of how lucrative the organ trade system is, um, kidnappings are becoming more and more prevalent. Criminal networks are involved in the harvesting of organs from minors, especially is on the rise. Um, the illegal organ trade occurs when the organs are removed for commercial purposes Um, According to a study conducted by the Global Financial Integrity, the trade generates annual profits of over $600 million. I just, I don't know if this was anyone else's reality, maybe yours, because we grew up in the same area. But like, when I was in college, we used to go to Mexico and go party. Uh And my parents were always like, oh, be careful because you'll end up in a bathtub full of ice Uh missing your kidneys. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was, I don't know if it was just like an urban, I don't know. But I remember it being like a very prevalent thought in my mind whenever I would go like to Mexico, be like, okay, I cannot end up in a motel in a bath of ice. That's our Texan Goldilocks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, we, we didn't we didn't tell fairy tales where they were grannies. They were just bathtubs full of ice in Texas. And you lost your kidneys and now you're dead. Like 
And like, like, do you want to go to a Mexican hospital? No, you don't. That's right. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's probably close to it. I mean, they can get me back to America pretty quickly. It's a Cunha. It's like on the road. (laughs) (laughs) I said Goldilocks. I meant to say Red Riding Hood, but y'all. There you go. Any, (laughs) any fairy tale that is a a cautionary tale. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so... Okay, sorry. So due to, due to the lack of evidence and reliable data on illegal org- organ trafficking, cases of it have been, very few cases have been prosecuted. Right. Um, well, because who are so, you going to... Right. Ideally, they're gone. Like, who are you going to prosecute? Like, Right. Some of the individuals and entities prosecuted include, however, criminal, gang- criminal gangs and hospitals. Um. And so there is a term. Have you ever heard of the term transplant tourism? Yes. I actually okay. have. I had not until doing this research. I it's think the- it's from that book that I read about faking your own death that I can't remember the title of it. This oh, time. yeah. You told me about that one. Mm-hmm. I think it's from um, that. So transplant tourism is the process of buying a healthy organ abroad without going through the proper channels. Um, Although it's illegal in some cases, it's not illegal for others. So, for instance, a recipient can travel to a country that has adequate facilities to perform a medical procedure. Mm -hmm. Um, That is also involved in the idea of transplant tourism without being involved in the organ trade. The book is called Playing Dead, but it may also be from this Nat Geo show that I watched about, like, black market trades. So that Okay. Uh, so kidneys are the most sought after organs in transplant tourism with prices starting at $1,300 though lives are considered livers are considered non-fatal. They are very expensive ranging from 4,000 to $157,000 depending on the urgency and where you are. I mean, if that's the case, I could give up my liver. Right. Other body parts such as eyes and unfertilized eggs are also very expensive. Um, but despite the demand, the high demand for these organs, they're very rare in transplant tourism. Sure. So several international organizations have issued regulations and, um, orders against the organ trade. These include the world medical association in 1985 and the council of Europe in 1997. That was the council of Europe that I opened with that they have had to update several times their declarations um the declaration of istanbul was uh, is condemned oh sorry the declaration of istanbul also condemned the commercialization of organs and transplants right um so the world health organization first declared the illegal organ trade Uh, i'm very good at redundancy and repeating things great the who first declared the illegal organ trade to be illegal in 1987 Good job. I needed you to know it was illegal twice. Very proud Uh, of you. It noted that the practice undermines the rights of vulnerable groups and leads to human trafficking. This is one of those things that like isn't a problem until it is. It's like, Uh oh, we can transplant people's organs. And then immediately humans are like, ooh, how can I make money off of transplanting people's organs? Because humans are the fucking worst. Yep. Um, so since the late 1980s, China has relied on executed prisoners for its bulk supply of organs. 
<laughs> that face. That is like. It's like how in America you used to only be able to get cadavers from executed prisoners. That is like next level. Like, like not only we're going to execute you, but we're going to tear apart your body uh-huh. and give it to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. China don't care. Ooh, that's creepy. Oh, I'm so glad they don't do that here. That's so creepy. Oh. So according to critics, the government often downplays the scope of the operation and allows the organs to be sold for a profit. They also allege that the procedure is corrupt. No, for real. I mean, I don't believe in the Where there are people, at all. There's so corruption. I think it's all corrupt. Yeah. Well, Wherever I'm... there are humans, there is corruption. Yeah. So um, following international pressure, China finally ended this controversial use of organs in 1999 but like from for over 10 years, this was how they harvested the bulk of their organ donations. Um, Thumbs so, down from me. So now they're very proud of themselves. They patted themselves on their back three times because now they have a registry of non-incarcerated organ donors. Um, and then they decided that they'd get real serious and standardize the organ donation process and like the process for handling organs. So like, Dude, China, like y'all are supposed to be China's like, we did the bare fucking minimum. Y'all are supposed to be, like, really developed. Why? I hate it. Many many international organizations and human rights groups are still skeptical about China's commitment to reform. Um, But many people inside China still assert that they still collect organs from prisoners. So um, they just have said outwardly that they're changing. So we don't actually know a hundred percent. And I mean, that's one of those things. There's no way to know unless you can definitively prove it, which will be a hard road to hold. So before 1994, India had no laws that restricted the sale of organs. The country's high availability and low prices led to it becoming one of the largest kidney transplant centers in the world. Yeah. However, many of the patients were not informed about the procedures they were receiving. So in 1994, India became the first country in the world to ban the sale of organs. It's Transplantation and hu- of Human Organ Act, or the THOA, restricted the ability of strangers to donate to another person. In most cases, a recipient is still not aware of, uh, is not aware of the existence of the organs donor. Um. Before 2008, the organ trade was allowed in the Philippines. The government even promoted this procedure through, like, through their media. The cost of a kidney transplant was typically less than two thousand dollars. In 2008, though, the government issued a law that banned the sale of organs. So this led to a drastic decline in the number of transplants. According to the WHO, about 70% of organ donors in developing nations are poor, um, which is, which I found very interesting because that, like, that's, that was the standalone statistic in Iran, and then it wound up just being the worldwide fact that 70%, which doesn't surprise anybody, but I found it interesting that the number didn't change at all when we broadened our sample size. No. Um, So, um, 
One of the primary motivations that people give for donating their organs is to pay off their debts. Many people who sell their organs are forced to do so due to extreme poverty. Aside from donating their kidneys, some people also sell their livers. Um, Your liver is the only organ that can regenerate itself. In about six months, it will be full size again. Right. So the World Health Organization has found that donating organs through travel to other countries can decrease a person's economic well-being and health, even though the reason they do it is to, um, like, is to gain money quickly. Um, in Iran, for instance, 58% of the donors reported negative health outcomes. Um, in Egypt, 78% of the donors said they regretted donating because of the long-term effects it had on their life. Well, and I think that is due to lack of follow-up care. Right. Lack of follow-up care doesn't help them heal. And then they tend to lose wages because they can't work because they are right, sick. Right, because or... they're recovering from, you know, that's the thing is like you have to learn or your body has to learn to function with only half a liver or one kidney. And right. that is a learning. Your body, just like every other part of you, learns how to do things. It just doesn't wake up and is like, oh, I have one kidney now. I have to double time it over on this other one no right um well and in india for instance an independent study found that 75 percent of donors required follow-up care after their surgery that they did not receive right um and so almost 70 like almost 80 percent of those 75 people wound up being unemployed due to long-term the exploitive part right so despite the existence of many laws regarding organ trade, law enforcers have been unable to enforce these regulations successfully. One of the main barriers to effective enforcement is the lack of communication between law enforcers and medical authorities. This issue can be solved through various means, such as establishing collaborations. Um, but like in America, um, there's kind of a fine line between HIPAA and what you can tell to police because if you're going to tell it to police you have to have enough evidence or enough to go off of to make it a reportable offense right um because if you make a false report then you can be held accountable for violating a patient's um information like privacy <laughs> yeah so um Let's see. Do, 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 do. Various depictions of organ trafficking have been presented in the mass media over the years. One of these is the urban legend of a person who suddenly loses his or her kidney. Um, yep. In fact, in 1977, this urban legend was turned into the fictional novel Coma. Um, or rather, was turned into a movie, Coma, starring Michael Crichton. I don't know what I was typing here. There was Michael a book Crichton called Coma by that. Michael Crichton. There it was you turned go. into a film. Um, but like, that was Crichton's based on that. Author. <laughs> right. That was based on that urban legend of somebody just waking up with their organs, which I think is the basis of the story the that we were told. Wake up in a bathtub. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, many stories about organ trafficking that the media has presented are based on sensational claims. For instance, a British television program in 1993 made a series of unfounded claims about an um, Italian man um, that all of them wound up to be untrue. So, good job. Great. Um, 
Critics of the organ trafficking trade argue that the sensationalized depiction of the crime distracts attention from the real issue. And they urge the establishment of a scientific research program to investigate the trade. Um, critics of the trade also say that states can employ a strategy to reduce the demand for illegal organs by, um, by implementing a better consent policy that okay. this method kind of assumes that a person has previously informed the government that they intended to donate their organs, which is what we do on our driver's license. But like yes. they need a better system, like a better database that is active because I have heard that in some States, even if you put it on your driver's license, that that is not enough to. No, I think even in Texas, your family still has to sign off on your right. request to donate your organs, which right hate that. Yeah. And also, uh, like, if you do want to donate your organs and your family is against it, make sure you designate a person in your will who will sign off on your last wishes. Yes, absolutely. And that's for anything. If you want to be cremated, whatever, like, just make sure. Right. Um, so another proposed method is to hold doctors accountable if they fail to report suspected organ trafficking. Um, this method um, would create a, um, a way to hold not just doctors, but hospital systems accountable for their actions. Sure. Um, and then, as you mentioned, that um, that is a true fact that the more doctors who are educated and the, the um, stricter the punishments are for doctors who are implicated in the organ trade, then you're cutting off the trade at the knees because you're out of qualified people to perform the surgery. Right. Um, and then allowing, allowing for better records of immigrants can help authorities identify missing organs. Like, I don't know. Let's treat immigrants like human beings like because humans? they fucking oh. are. Um, yeah, I know. I'm getting real radical today. That is very radical. I can't believe you would suggest we treat human <laughs> beings like human beings. It's unreal. Right? Um, so if we, if we can document it better and stop criminalizing people for existing then we can help cut down on the organ trade, which makes over $600 million a year. That is so much money. I know. Um, and then there's an ethical debate that centers around the organ trade. Um, of course there is. Discussing whether or not people have the right to sell their organs. Um, but then there's also the idea that if they do have that right, that the potential harms uh the harms of such cells outweigh the the cost of that um and then they try to compare this the organ trade to um sex work yes oh no i'm just like holding up my hand because oh, okay. you say something thinking. i don't like gotcha okay in preparation so the people who are proponents for the legalization of selling your organs, compare it to sex work, saying that 32 countries allow sex work, um, but none of them allow the sale of an organ. And people try to like make this apples for apples comparison, um, except that the legalized sex trade doesn't result in somebody needing long-term medical 
care because they have taken something out of their body that was not followed up by a doctor appropriately. I I thought you were going to say they compare it to abortion and then I was going to like just end the call and walk away. No, uh-uh. I've had enough living in Texas this week, so. Right. Um, So supporters of the organ sale point out that the operation is relatively safe for low-risk donors. Um, So according to a review conducted in 2018, there's no link between donating a kidney and higher rates of chronic kidney disease and preeclampsia, which was the largest, like, argument against. True, but if you sign up for a registry and are matched with a recipient, then they do all those tests for you. Right. And you know, going in, you know both if you're eyes one of the open. low risk people, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, um, God. So. And I get it. Like, I understand being like, okay, if I'm going to give up my kidney and have this surgery and need medical care for three or four years and whatever, I want to make some money off of it. But also, like, really? Right. Um, so, and then critics point out the things, the things that we've already talked about, like um, that it, like any commercial system, um, is unfavorably heavy on people below the poverty line that um, people with money are the ones who benefit the most that um, working class and, and below are getting the shaft every single time. Um, And that, so those people tend to be much more um, or much stronger proponents of a match system the way that we have in America. Um, And in, I, I, I assume Canada works very similar to ours as far I as the most goes. developed countries work very right. similar to ours. Um, so, um, what I don't, oh gosh, this is just insane. I don't know. So, and then I just ended with a couple of things. The demand for organs is caused by the illegal trade in organs. When organs are scarce, people turn to the black market Oh, this is um, this is people who have set up a um, a more regulated model for the operation and of organs. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I'd skip a paragraph. So instead of individuals selling their organs, um, Charles A. Aaron and John Harris have come up with this plan. That instead of people selling their organs, the government could purchase them and distribute them to the public. Um, so this model would prevent the exploitation of potential donors and ensure that the Not organs are distributed. And that's what I said too, but I'm just following the facts that I had to talk about this. I mean, um, has so anyone demand- ever seen Ted Cruz say anything ever? I don't know what you're talking about. Our government would never yes, he'll be like us. Bodily autonomy. You can totally sell your organs. And then we'll be like, hey, I want an abortion. I'll be like, no, not like that. That's not an organ. That's a baby. Right, right. I mean, any conservative Republican in this nation, it feels no, like, totally. would be like, um, your body, your choice. You don't have to get that fucking vaccine if you don't want to. You can oh, just no, get COVID you- and die. But um, you don't you dare walking- cut out the... Joaquin Castro retweeted a interview with Ted Cruz where he's like, oh, your body, your choice, the government, your boss, like whoever can't decide what you have to do with your body, blah, 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 blah. And he just retweeted with like, Ted Cruz, new Planned Parenthood spokesman. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, I did not see that, but God dang, I love that. So they assert in this plan that the demand for organs is caused by the illegal trade in organs, that when organs are scarce, people turn to the black market, and that a free market system would eliminate the price ceiling, which would prevent the demand from growing. I don't so necessarily it's like a very economist approach to organ. I don't disagree with the premise. However, there's always going to be a shortage of organs, which mean which means there's always going to be people that can afford to buy them and people that can't. And so right. the way to regulate that is to keep it how we have it, which is on a list system where you and right. also, and also just like have universal health care. Yeah. Right. Where you don't have to pay to have a new heart because you would die otherwise. Right. Right. I hate it here. Um, so what I learned is like I set out just to tell you all the horrible facts of the organ trade and then found out just how sad it is because of like why the organ trade exists. The organ trade does not exist because there's a black market for organs. The black market for organs exists because there's a need for the organ trade. Like there's a, there's a need to have a way to, to match those who are willing to donate to those who, who need these things to survive. And on the plus side, like there are so many medical strides being made as we speak, your wife can tell you, I'm sure there are people that are trying to 3D print organs. I, was just like about to based, say, I saw the most the successful blood, 3D printed liver not yeah, too long ago. Based on your blood type and your specific, like, um, your specific gen- uh, genetic makeup, they're like, thereby eliminating the idea that your body would reject this organ, like, potentially reject this organ. Like, if they can get the formula right and 3D print it and biological material that is your blood type and fits with all your genetic makeup, they can put it in you and your body won't reject it. Right. Um, Like that's the theory. And that kind of stuff is amazing. Like if we start doing that, like we could just get rid of all the rest of it. And right. But again, that will come at a price and we need universal healthcare. Like so, so bad. Yes. Because people shouldn't have to decide whether to live or whether to spend, you know, seven figures having a 3D organ printed so they can be alive. Right. Right. Um, I'm glad you didn't tell any horror stories, although I'm a little bit sad too. I thought about it. And then I was like, this is as, like I said, as I started to research, I was like, this is a a much more serious topic than even I realized because it's not something that is talked about around me. And so I wanted to just present the information this time. This topic is um, crazy. And while I feel like Lifetime took a hard right with the subject matter, they did. Um, right. I'm like, this movie drove like right into a bird's nest and stayed there. But right. <laughs> um, it's a very relevant topic. You know, it's terrifying, especially as we move into summer, if you're going to another country where this might be a prevalent thing that they do. Um, right. Be careful. I mean, um, don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. But also, no. like, just be careful. Watch your surroundings. Make sure there's no drugs in your drinks. You know, like, do right. the things that you would normally do. Just be careful. Right. Um, and I did want to, because last week I recommended a book that went with our case. Um, and I kind mm-hmm. of like 
creating this challenge for myself where I can, I want to see how many cases I can match of piece of fiction I've read to. Um, and so this week, my book recommendation is a change of heart by Sonali Dev. Have you ever read it? I haven't, but I also have a, a fiction recommendation for this topic. Okay. So the jacket copy says, um, and I read this God several years ago now, but, um, Dr. Nick Joshi had it all, marriage, career, purpose, until while working for Doctors Without Borders in a Mumbai slum, his wife, Jen, discovered a black market organ transplant ring. Before she could expose the truth, Jen was killed. Two years after the tragedy, Nick is a cruise ship director who spends his days treating seasickness and sunburn and his nights in a boozy haze. On one of those blurry evenings on deck, Nick meets a woman who makes a startling claim. She received Jen's heart in a transplant and has a message for him. Nick wants to discount Jess um, Kerala's story as absurd, but there's something about her reckless desperation that resonates despite his doubts. Okay, so mine is very dark. This is one of... This is one of the best psychological thrillers I've ever heard, which or I've ever read, which coincides with the fact that he has a new book coming out this month. Um, it's called Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. Okay. And without giving too much away, like I'll just say this has to do with the organ trade, and I'll read you the synopsis. Quote, no visitors, no nights spent away from the apartment, no disturbing the other residents all of whom are rich or famous or both. These are the only rules Jules Larson's new job as an apartment sitter at the Bartholomew, one of Manhattan's most high profile and mysterious buildings. Recently heartbroken and just plain broke, Jules is taken in by the splendor of her surroundings and accepts the terms ready to leave her past life behind. As she gets to know the residents and the staff of the Bartholomew, Jules finds herself drawn to fellow apartment sitter Ingrid, who comfortingly distributes disturbingly reminds her of the sister she lost eight years ago when Ingrid confines confides that the Bartholomew is not what it seems and the dark history hidden beneath its gleaming facade is starting to frighten her Jules brushes it off as harmless as a harmless ghost story until the next day when Ingrid disappears searching for the truth about Ingrid's disappearance Jules digs deeper into the Bartholomew's dark past and into the secrets kept within its walls. Her discovery that Ingrid is not the first apartment sitter to go missing at the Bartholomew pits Jules against the clock as she races to unmask a killer, expose the building's hidden past, and escape the Bartholomew before her temporary status becomes permanent. Ooh, that sounds really good. I like Riley Sager. This book freaked me the fuck out and it is hard to freak me out this book freaked me the fuck out and i can't wait to read his new book which is survive the night that comes out later this month yep 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 all right well speaking of books let's transition what are you reading right now well right now i am reading Nothing terribly interesting. I'm reading a book called, well, Find You First, which is actually pretty interesting. Um, it's about a man who, he's like a multi-zillionaire. He runs a tech company and he finds out he's dying. Okay. 
And several years before he had donated sperm to a sperm bank and it's a genetic disease. So he learns that he fathered nine children from his deposit at the sperm bank. And he tries to find them and tell them that they may have this disease before he dies. But also those children are dying rapidly. Oh, Oh, what a twist. Yeah, and I just finished the last thing he told me, which I told you about last week. Oh, yeah. I read it in like one sitting, probably two, because I had put it down and picked it back up. But I mean, to me, it was like one. It was so good. Um, I loved it. Like, definitely pick it up. It's the one where um, the woman's husband disappears and all he leaves her is a note that says protect her. And he's talking about their stepdaughter or her stepdaughter, uh, Bailey. And so she has to figure out like who she's protecting and why and what happened, where her husband went and like all this other stuff that surrounds this like mystery. It's really, really good. I loved it. That sounds great. Yeah. What about you? Um, Well, I started Daisy Jones and the Six last week. I'm going to finish that probably tomorrow. I love um, that. I'm so book glad I listened to your recommendation. Pieces. It's it reads so fast. Like, well, Malibu not, Rising came out today. I know, and so that's on my list. Um, I did not expect Daisy Jones to move as fast as it does. Um, and so I just like I'm so engrossed by it. And then the next thing I'm reading, uh, I've got a couple of books on hold at the library by Peter Heller. Um that i need to pick up and then yeah i've got i've got the world's biggest tv like to be read stack oh me too but i have to say okay malibu rising came out today today's tuesday june 1st i got this book in december as an arc by net galley i have not stopped shouting its praises from the rooftops i will continue to do so it is so good it is still one of my favorites of the year. The Gunkle is like right there with it. Um, I love Taylor Jenkins Reid, Malibu Rising. Please go check it out. It's so, so, so good. Um, if you like Taylor Jenkins Reid, you'll love this book. It's so, so good. I loved it. I love Taylor Jenkins Reid. Like, Me too. She's Evelyn incredible. Hugo was the first I'd read from her and it wrecked me. Like, Oh, Evelyn Hugo like ripped my heart out and stomped on it. And you know what? I read it in like... Um, I read it in different like recaps of like things you should read for like six months before I even picked it up. Yeah, no. I and then like up, after I read it, I was like, oh. I picked up based solely <laughs> on the cover from the library, and I read that whole book. It's one of the few books I've read in one sitting. It's so good because I'm a slow reader, and so it took me literally the entire day. But I got to the end, and I was like, what the hell? Just a, what? what and the I need more. About- so you have Evelyn Hugo and there's a small tie-in to Daisy Jones and then there's a uh-huh. larger tie-in to, to, to Malibu, Malibu Rising. Rising. Right. So she's making her own little universe, which I just adore. I love that. Like, I love she's making her own little, like, place. It makes me so happy, you know? that Like, it makes me feel like I can... It makes me feel the same that I feel about, like, Marvel movies. Like, I can just go to, like, a Marvel movie and just, like, go to a different place. Uh-huh. And that's how I feel about Taylor Jenkins read books that like, yes. I just like re- pick up a book and like go to a different place. And I'm not, I'm not like in my own world anymore. Right. And I love that feeling. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, thanks for talking crime and books with me. I look yes. forward to this every week. And uh, we'll be back next week We're with back another on track. Yeah, hot next week girl, we have the crazy secrets, summer. The secret she keeps, which which is about a stalker. I stalker cases are the ones that get me. Like they get me. So next week is gonna not be great. Well, we'll even see if it's based on an actual true story. <laughs> right. If not, then I know the case. Like then I know some cases I want to cover. I mean, there's plenty. I mean, there's uh-huh. so many. So, but there there are some really good ones coming up. There's a there's a disappearance of a wife coming up that's really good. Um, she's gone never been found. Yeah, gone mom. And there's one about a lady that seduces a rich husband and then kills him. That's coming up. I can't remember the name of that one. There's there's a lot coming up. So stay tuned. We've oh soccer mom madam with Janet Kramer. I had a dream the other oh, yeah. night that we interviewed Janet Kramer on the podcast. So let's like try to make that happen. Let's manifest that. <laughs> Yeah, Jenna, so. Jenna, listen, we know you're out Jenna. there. Well, first of all, Jenna. my name is Jenna. So like maybe I don't know who you are, <laughs> but Jenna, we're so close that I have my own cute little nickname for you. And um, I'm so glad that you are part of our family. So just shoot us an email and tell us when's a good time to interview you. Um, and we will make that happen. Jenna Kramer does one of my favorite all-time dances on dancing with the stars like very favorite so good what else would i know her from she's a country singer okay yeah then i probably know her music okay and she was in a christmas movie christmas on the bayou or something she sings that song i got the boy oh okay thank you then i know exactly what you're talking Mm -hmm. about okay all right well and she's so pretty um, can you tell people where they can find us? God. Um, on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. You can go to our website at LifetimeSentence.com. You can email us from our website, <laughs> Patreon, and then go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Yes. Did I miss something? And- um and follow us on tiktok at lifetime sentence yes. i will gotcha. be especially like i've been looking for office space as i mentioned but part of it is i've been looking for big enough to have a recording like a video recording setup so that i can do our true crime tuesdays again yes um and so just as i am now transitioned into working from home i have i have plans it's just getting a place to make them all happen because mm-hmm. i will slack off at this house i know that that's who i am as a human being I will watch 19 hours of Shit's Creek and then I will go, I wonder what time Sarah's going to come home and she's been home for two hours because that's how it works when you're ADHD (laughs) and unmedicated as I currently am. Okay, well just maybe re-medicate yourself. So I've been trying. Um, My doctor wants to see me again before she prescribes it again and her next open appointment is August. So I'm going to beg her to please at least renew my my meds like please please there you go progress all right well thanks for hanging out with us um and very importantly please don't forget to eat your vegetables charge your phone bye bye